Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I wanted to first focus actually on the interaction that happened in the book of Acts today, in the praxis. Here we see that the apostles were preaching what happened with Christ. And the response of the Jews says, hearing this, they were enraged and determined to kill them. And so they brought them into trial, into the synagogue, and they were debating what to do with them. At some point, one of the Pharisees asked the disciples to step out so they could have a conversation. And what he said to the rest of the Jews that were there in their private board meeting, if you will, he said, men of Israel, consider very carefully what you are going to do to these men. Okay, he said, let's take a look at history and see what's happened. Like a while back, there's a guy named Theudas, and he claimed to be the Messiah. And he had 400 men that followed him. This guy got murdered. And so because he got murdered, everybody scattered and they left him. He said, even after this, in the days of the census, the, the story that we read in the beginning of Luke, when, when, when there was a census called for all of the people to go back to their homelands, during that time, another man named Judas um, from Galilee arose and claimed to be, to be the Messiah, which probably was compelling since they knew that, that God, that the Messiah may come from Galilee. He died, and everybody who followed him scattered. So what he said to the Jews is, okay, look, when something is not from God, it dies, right? It goes away. These people have done it. People before them have done it. He's not the first one to call himself the Messiah, and he's not the first one to get himself killed. So if this is really just another guy, there's nothing to worry about. He says, if this plan or work is of human origin, it will be overthrown, which is a very wise um, word of this man. And he said, however, if it's from God, you will not be able to fight it, and you will not be able to overthrow it. And so be very careful because you may find yourself actually fighting with God. And they agreed with him which was nice, right? So they brought in the apostles, they summoned them, gave them a good beating, and told them, don't do this anymore. And the response of the disciples was to do what they were doing with even more zeal, and it says they counted themselves worthy, they rejoiced that they had been counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of his name. And every day in the temple and at home, they never stopped teaching and preaching that Jesus is the Christ. This test is the same test that the world offers us, right? This test of, if this is from God, then it will continue, and if it's not from God, it won't. And so the difference that we may or may not have with the apostles is whether or not we believe, right? Whether or not our Christianity is something real. Because many righteous men have come and gone since Christ, right? Gandhi, we knew a lot about him when we, were, when we were young. How many people from the young generation know much about Gandhi? Even though he was a great man, he was a virtuous man, he had a great message. But he came and went. And yet Christianity has, tested, has withstood the tests of time. But the question is, do I actually endure this test? Right? Here was the, the test for them was they were, they were beaten and they suffered. Right? It wasn't a knowledge test. They didn't bring them up and say, if he's really the Messiah, answer these questions. Right? They wanted to say, we don't care what you think he is, we don't agree with you. 
and we're going to beat you for that. We're going to flog you, we're going to make you suffer. This happens to us in the world all the time, right? We'll hear all sorts of situations where, ah, I don't mean to cuss, but I cuss because everyone at work does, and if I don't, I look funny, right? I'll hear the business worker who says, I had to go to a strip club because my coworkers are going, and if I don't go, I'm going to look like I'm not really on board with my job, right? There are people who will say, well, you know, people are going to think that I'm gay if I don't have a girlfriend, and so now I need to have a girlfriend. We have all sorts of things that we're saying we need to do because of how we're going to look, right? How we're going to suffer um, as a result of following what we believe to be the truth. But if we believe, do we count ourselves to rejoice that we've been considered worthy to suffer, right? Because the, the promise of blessing was for those who suffered and persecuted for righteousness' sake. And our Lord is very serious about us committing to that. That's why in this gospel is very, very serious, right? He says to them, okay, you're all here, you're all happy, you had good food, right? You had miracles, I gave you the stuff that you need. But why are you here? Are you here because of what I'm teaching? Are you here because of who I've said that I am? Or are you here because of some special gift that comes to me? And no, he didn't kick away the ones who were there for that. He didn't say, you have to go. But he just said to them very simply, okay, anybody who comes to me, who doesn't put this faith thing first, Okay, which means that if your family is more important than the truth, okay, whether it's your father, mother, brother, or sisters, um, if your own life is more important than the truth, you can't be my disciple. Not because he has an ego complex, okay, but because of the truth. Right? So if you have yourself before me, it's not going to work because that's, not, that's actually not what your existence is about. We exist in relationship, right? I created you. And we're supposed to be in a relationship. So if you want to put yourself first, we can't be in a relationship, right? Imagine if, if two people come to get married and the spouse says, just so you know, I'm marrying you for the, the perks, but actually I couldn't care less about you, right? It's not about you, it's about me, right? What kind of person would be like, oh yes, let's get married, right? They'd have to be very desperate, okay, if they said yes to something like that. But they would want to know that you love me and you're putting me before you, right? When we struggle, you're going to care, right, that I am happy, that I am pleased. Otherwise, I'm not going to feel safe with you. Because how do I know when something happens, you're not going to get up and leave me, right? So our Lord says, okay, if you don't put me first in this relationship, we can't have a relationship. And on his end, he did put us first, right? Like not only did he make us when he didn't have to, but he also went to the point of death for us. So, and he knew that. Right? So it's not like he was saying, ha, 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 it's a one-ended deal. In fact, he more than stooped down below his level for the sake of, of humanity. Then he says, whoever does not bear his own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Okay, like, so if you're not even willing to suffer, like I am suffering, you, this is not going to work for you. This Christianity thing is not for you. Because this religion is about the suffering, which is why we're seeing even how the apostles um, lived. And he says, be rational. I'm not saying something ridiculous, right? If somebody wants to build a tower, he doesn't just go and build a tower. He needs to sit down, he needs to calculate the costs, right? He needs to find out what materials he needs. He needs to find out if those materials can withstand the temperatures and the climate, right? In Canada and here, I remember when I, we were looking for properties here, one of the first questions I asked was, when was the last time the roof was changed? And everyone here looked at me like I was very strange for asking that question, because anyone who's lived in the winter 
knows that that's going to be changed every five to ten years, and that's a major expense. It's part of the calculating the cost of the house, right? Here it's not. Here there's other things to consider. We have to be rational in what we're, we're trying to plan. And he has to sit down and say, do I even have enough money to do this? Right? Lest you start and halfway through you don't have it, and then you've ruined it and wasted the money. Right? You've got foundations that are going to get ruined in the, the open air, and you've done nothing. And when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, everyone who sees will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and he was not able to finish. You look like a fool publicly. Right? So Christ is saying, like, who does that? What king, when he's going out to war, doesn't first sit down and consider whether he's going to be able, with his myriad, with his ten thousands, to meet the guy coming against him with double the amount of troops? Right? Do I have the ability to conquer? If I don't, he's saying, then better for you to send um, an embassy, a representative, an ambassador, to say, uh, sorry, like, we want peace, what do you want? Right? He goes, be, yani, use, use your brain. So, this is the same that's true of Christianity. This is why he's saying it. He's saying, okay, this is a serious religion, okay? Christianity is not a, a component in our lives, right? Christianity is not, okay, so I have my school life, and I have my family life, and I have my married life, and I have my career life, I have my academic life, and I have my spiritual life, as though it's like a, a little add-on in the middle of the mix. That's not at all what Christianity is. Christianity is an identity, Right? Christianity is that I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God, and I am living in relationship. And so everything I do, I see through the scope of this relationship, so that I make decisions about my career life, my, my family life, my academic life, through the lens of my Christianity. It's not, oh, and I'm a Christian. It's like, oh, because I'm a Christian, this is the better decision to make. It's a very different thing. Right? And if I can't do that, then I need to ask myself, then do I really believe? This is what Christ is asking. Or am I here for the club? Right? Am I here for the Rebbe meal after? Am I here because it's comforting? That's fine. I'm not saying don't come because you enjoy any of these things. But we have to ask, am I a Christian? Am I a disciple? Because there's a very big difference between the two. There's somebody who's just a follower, and there's somebody who is a disciple. If you are a disciple, you can withstand hardship. Because you have love, right? Because you believe that this is the truth. And when you believe that something is the truth, you'll endure. Look at these people, for example, who refuse, even after being imprisoned for a crime they didn't commit, they refuse to give up the claim that they're innocent. Even though if they want to be put on parole, they have to show remorse, right? That's how the, the legal system is. If you want to get parole, you need to show that you're remorseful. And so there's a conundrum that there are some people who will just say remorse to get out. They've had enough, right? They couldn't suffer. But there are others who say, I will never be able to lie. Even if it means me staying in prison, I can't lie. I didn't commit that crime. Because they have conviction about the truth. Because they know that it's true. And this is the challenge that we have as Christians. And this is why we need to ask, would I be like the disciples? Or do I falter every time there's hardship? If my friend dies, do I immediately lose faith? If my child dies, which is one of the reasons why he said, my, my, your own child, right? When my child dies, do I stop believing because of the tragedy of losing my kid? He didn't say these are not tragedies. He just said, is this more important to you than the truth? If all of these things count as more, I will not be able to withstand. I won't be able to suffer 
the change in society? We live in an atheistic society. Will I be able to withstand the pressure and the ridicule that atheists exert on me when they tell me how dumb they think my religion is, how much they think that we're controlled by these old men who put rules on everybody, right? Do I have an answer for that? Or do I have a conviction in the truth? Do I know the truth? Because if we do this, then this way of the cross also becomes the way of resurrection, right? It doesn't end at the cross, it ends with resurrection. And so the challenge for all of us is, do I know my identity? Okay, and he uses the analogy of salt. Am I salt? Okay, am I distinct? Do I add flavor to the world? Or have I lost my, my flavor? Have I lost that savor? Have I been just totally taken by the world that I've lost my identity? What made salt salt is that saltness, right? If I've lost it, if I put it on food and it no longer does anything, then I'm not anything anymore. I don't have an identity anymore. And that's why he said, okay, well now this salt is totally useless, right? Now it's fit neither for the soil or the manure pile and it's thrown out, right? That's all it is. This is the meaning of our life if we lose our identity. And finally, end saying, anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. Anyone who's able to listen should listen. And that is the exhortation for all of us. Do I know my identity? Do I believe in the truth? Am I able to withstand pressure? Am I willing to take the cross with him in order to rise with him and to deem myself happy and rejoicing? for being worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name of Christ. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.